0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Progcast. I'm your host, Greg Bendian, and we bring you some of the most creative figures in progressive music as we do. And today is uh, a really special occasion because we have with us a member of the band, Yes, and he is a bassist, a guitarist, a multi-instrumentalist, a producer, a vocalist, songwriter, and I'm so happy to welcome to the show Billy Sherwood. Hi, Billy
1: hi greg thanks for having me it's a pleasure appreciate being a pleasure to have
0: you yeah so much to talk about uh yes they're on the road right now with a new album
1: yeah yeah we got an album called mirror to the sky that came out i think in may uh, if memory serves or maybe that was the first single i don't really recall dates there but anyway mirror to the sky is out and did quite well and now we're just out here on this tour and and happy to be back on the road and the shows are going great and we're having a lot of fun doing it.
0: you know, this is uh it's such an amazing story that that yes, music continues to be performed live and the fans continue to to really worship this body of what I guess is easily considered the roots of progressive music and progressive rock. but continues to create new material and you've been there really since the late nineties. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be fair?
1: Yeah. Um, that's pretty accurate. Uh, I think I met Chris somewhere on 88, 89 and we developed a quick relationship of camaraderie musically and just as friends and hanging out. And that began the whole thing that we're looking at now, which is crazy. But, yeah, that's how that's how long it's been. It's been quite a while.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I'm just such a huge uh, admirer of Chris's work as a, a ranger, as a bass player, as a composer. And um, he's sorely missed. But I'm very lucky that I did get to see uh, the Going for the One tour in 77. Mm. And yeah. uh, just witness the guys when they're really just uh, just hungry to play things like awaken for the first time, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I saw that tour too. That was, uh, one of the, my first yes shows at, in Vegas at the Aladdin hotel. <laughs>
0: so, right. So, so yeah. MSG for me, two of the three nights and, uh, and we got to hear awaken and turn to the century and, uh, parallels was the opener. So, yeah. you know, I, 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 you mentioned Chris and, and I, of course I did want to talk to you about Chris, uh, what was it like hanging out with chris i mean he's he's such a um a larger than life figure in so many ways
1: yeah he is uh he he was just he had a really kind heart and you know he was very nice to people and just you know like in a society going into a restaurant he was always very cordial and very kind and very warm and uh you know behind the scenes you know as we would have a few drinks or whatnot he was a fun guy to hang out with we had a lot of laughs. I mean, when I think of Chris, I just start laughing because we just laughed about the stupidest stuff, but did a lot of that and, and shared a lot of musical, you know, passions in terms of genres, pieces of music we were listening to. And he do my love of yes. And he was also a fan of the things I was doing in world trade and stuff, you know? So uh, we just had a lot of fun, you know, we'd sit around, you know, I, I, I think I told a story on Facebook, in a thread, I tried to convey this this thing that happened because we were playing going for the one on this current tour. And in the third verse, it's a very small little detail, but you know, I'm, I'm a squire fan. So the album is one way. And the live show, he he climbs up the neck and, and in the third verse, he kind of takes the position of the bass from the lower and the higher. And I always thought that gave it this little extra rush, you know. And when we were when I was coming into the band to play bass and we were playing it just so happened in two thousand. 15, you know, when I was covering for him while he was alive, we were adding going for the one. And so I said, Oh, you know what? I, I remember this one thing, and I'm listening to guest shows, is what it's on. And
0: right, right.
1: And that last verse, and he goes, No, 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 I did not play that. And I said, Yeah, you did. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, No, no, I never went up that octave. It, and it became this thing. It was a kind of a dinner hang we were having. And it became this thing through the night where he's like, you know, I'd i go, Chris, just trust me, man. You know, on this one, just trust me. And we'd laugh about it. No, you're wrong. <laughs> this goes on through the meal until after the meal. And, you know, we, we've had a few. And out of the blue, he looks at me and goes, you know it's actually not that, right? <laughs> and he gets up and grabs the record, puts it on, and there it is. And just turns around and gives you this grin. And we just laughed so hard after that. It was just classic. But uh, yeah, great times with Chris, man, for sure. You Sadly know,
0: man. and and you when you listen to the things like the shows from 72 that were released in the box and you hear the first time they're bringing Close to the Edge, and you look at the level of detail that went into the vocal arranging, and of course, I'm telling you because you, you've performed it, but I yeah. mean, that's some pretty extraordinary stuff, isn't
1: it? Oh, man, I, I think about it nightly in the strangest places. Obvious probably to some, but to me, it's just the mapping out of the scene All Good People harmony, the first one versus the second one, that's a cappella and how it moves. And it's tricky. It sounds kind of simple, but it's it's tricky. And so whenever I'm singing, I'm trying to be on point, you know, I mean sometimes you have good nights and sometimes you know you don't, but I give it my best to try to to get those parts out in their way. And because they do mean that much to, to all of us as yes fans, you know what I mean? It's like, we we know if that's not there, we're going to be like, well, what happened there? So it's, it's honoring the compositions really, isn't it? You know, in terms of the note values of things. And I pay a lot of attention to that because that's what I grew up on listening to and going, eh, that's gotta be that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. And, and the detail of, of no choice that went into Chris's vocal lines. They were not parallel thirds. They were, you know, it was not an easy job. He particularly, you mentioned going for the one, the words going for the one, he's moving around quite a bit in
1: that. Yeah, exactly. And in the verses, he's counter to John with that other part. And yeah, I mean, you know, Chris was a huge part of the Yes Sonic palette in in many ways that just you know he wasn't a normal bass player it, you know he was thinking of it in a completely different way well it's and, a bass
0: voice in the the composition
1: exactly and it's played with fire where it needs to be on fire and it's played with delicacy when it's supposed to be you know chill and mellow and and it's the same with the vocals he had that same approach which is that's one of the areas where we really bonded because i was a huge Squire fan It was there was no disputing that the world trade album Lots of these background ideas came from two two source pools for me that I was super inspired by, which was Fish Out of Water as one. And the other one was just the Gentle Giant catalog, you yeah. know, in terms of background vocals. So you know, that's why I knew when Derek Shulman walked into the room when we were showcasing to try to get World Trade signed back in the day, and everyone in the business passed on the band. And then Derek Shulman walked through the door. I was like, we may have one shot at this. I think he's going to get it. And he yeah. did his credit you know no that's incredible derek's Derek's the one who introduced me to chris that's how i met those guys because i was on uh polydor records where derek was long story short derek leaves becomes president of ACO, where he's with chris without john anderson in the band and they want a lead singer blah 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 And, and that starts the whole thing they wanted me to be the lead singer i said no but i want to be involved so if you ever need me give me a shout you know that kind of thing but Derek's was an integral part of all that, which I found fascinating because those components were such a big part of my vocal trip. And, and Chris knew that. And we would bond on singing. We, you know we did a bunch of recording in the studio outside of yes with conspiracy where we worked really ornately, I should say on the harmonies and stuff. And it was always really cool to work with Chris in that capacity. Cause he just, he had that voice that I really dug and he had the sensibility to come up with parts that were everlasting and just, cool you know for the lack of a better word
0: how how was the process of him coming up with parts were there were there main lines and then people went off and worked on uh counter <laughs> lines
1: i mean you know it was funny because he would you know the song the Bar we live that's on the union album right Yeah. you know so it's built around this keyboard phrase that it goes that it's like a sus chord right it's like a sus and then a two chord you know it's going back and forth And he came to my apartment then in Sherman Oaks and and I had my little studio set up and he goes, I got this idea. And he he just played those two chords back and forth in a way where it laid out the verses the way we know it. You know, we didn't have the B section, but he had had the music in his head to those long verses that happened. But it was really just these chord progressions. And so when he left, I thought, what am I going to do with this? I don't know what to do with this, you know? And then I sat around for a while, scratching my head with it. And then I kind of came up with this concept of of the sort of question answer thing and the lead vocal, you know, there's well, the answers, the more we this, the more we that, the more we the other. And I had a sketch of it on it. And then I took it back to Chris. I said, what do you think of this? And he went, oh my God, I love this. But what if these vocals did this? And then we started getting into these details where I was like, okay, cool, we're on to something. And then we, I said to him, it needs to go somewhere else. We need like a release section of sort of away section from this one. And we came up together with the, you know, castaway away uh, doubts and sorrow, that whole turnaround thing that leads you back to the chorus. Uh, and I thought it, it, it came out really amazing. And has a, a a feeling of what I know from Chris from that fish out of water days. But it also, I feel where on my head was at sort of artistically at the time too, coming into that and, and those two worlds sort of colliding. Which we both knew, like if this was the first song we wrote, it's it's working on this kind of level for both of us anyway. That there's something to pursue, which is why we just kept starting to write songs. You know,
0: did you get to talk with him much about fish out of water?
1: Oh God, we talked about it all the time. Yeah, I'll never forget after they played in L.A. on the Union tour because he invited me to that show. I lived in L.A. and afterwards he goes, "So check this out," and he, we're in the dressing room. He pulls out a CD they just made, the you know, the first CD of Fish Out of Water. They the re- first recovered. transfer. Yeah. Yeah. And he was super proud of it. And I said, oh, my God, I want one of those. He's like, this is my only copy right now. I can't give it to you. He goes, well, come over. And I said, now? He goes, yeah, we're leaving. Let's go. So we went to his apartment off of Sunset and we drank a bunch of wine and we cranked fish out of water and just discussed again. And, you know, cause I drilled him on that record over and over about, you know, bass sounds and how did you, what, what was that? And what was that? And, you know, I picked his brain plenty over a good 30 years. That's for sure. But um, yeah, it, it was, it, it was a, a great memory doing that with him after, especially after that show it was quite amazing. Well,
0: obviously there's a lot more to talk about, uh, but There, At some point, there should be a Chris Squire oral history project. And I think that people like yourself who worked with him in detail, it would benefit so many musicians to know about just what a giant he was in terms of songwriting, in terms of form, structure, uh, hearing top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Let's face it. You know, he was the outer contours of Yes Music that whole time.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, he was the only guy in the band who never left the band. And that. To to his credit, because it's, you know, these are not easy waters to navigate sometimes, as we've seen. But, uh, you know, that's a testament to his love of the band. It was, you know, he loved the band. And I felt that from him really strongly, always did. I always loved the band. And, you know, I never pursued the band but the band would call me and say, can you mix this album? Sure. Yeah. Can you produce this one? It ended up being Keys 2. Cool. Yeah. And we need you on this tour. Okay, I'm in. And, and then, you know, the whole transition into becoming a member and everything, it, it just all happened very naturally. And, you know, but Chris was, was was always the sort of guy who was gluing everything together through all those transitions of all those things, you know? Yeah. Yeah important thing for the band to to have had you know
0: you know you see it come through very strong on drama
1: yeah yeah well his his bass playing on that record's phenomenal but yeah i mean talk about transition you know you take the buggles and put them in yes that's that's a major transition but i i dig that record i mean i'm one of these yes fans who i accept it all under one big umbrella of music i don't really compartmentalize and this guy, that guy, and favorites this and favorites that. I just listen to the music. And I dig listening to our song as much as I dig listening to Siberian Katrue. You know, it's all yes music. So there's a spirit that transcends those dividing lines for me. And I think anyway, when you let those things go, you just immerse yourself in the entire thing you start seeing connections that you didn't see before because you never allowed your mind to listen to the music objectively (laughs) right so i I find those threads and those links interesting especially in this this time in history of yes
0: you know it's and and it is funny now that (laughs) yes has become repertoire for what could be called cover bands or repertory ensembles that are dedicated to playing the music Mm. and it's so hard to find ones that can capture that spirit. Well,
1: I mean, to be fair, they're not yes. And and what I mean by that is like, you know, I, I hear this kind of thing all the time and read it online. And, you know, there's that always that debate. It's a tribute band. It's this, that and the other. I mean, when you when you served a band and you're actually in a band and you, you actually, you know, you move to Vancouver and you work as a band and you write a record and you do the tour, you, you're no longer a tribute actor. You know, breaking news! You're actually in the band. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the way these things work. Then there's there's other musicians who just love that music so much that they gather and they sort of play that music to the best of their ability and do yeah. it. And God bless them. You know why not? Um, but that argument of of of, of trying to con- con- contrast and compare just for me it just falls on on you know I I don't get any of that logic, but the spirit that you're talking about i mean that's what i need to feel to feel good about getting on stage if i felt at all that that spirit was missing and that it's being faked and it wasn't real and it wasn't coming from a place place of passion and genuine love of the music i wouldn't want to get on the stage you know it'd be you know its just something i wouldn't want to do so in my heart of hearts i feel good knowing that we're pushing forward and and as strange as it was for me to meet Chris all those years ago and and things have evolved to where he's asked me, my hero asked me to replace him, you know, he, he wanted it to go forward as well. And Alan shared that same feeling that that's how much they love the band, that it's like, just keep, keep pushing into that wind that we started all those years ago. And, and it's, was- it's a tradition at this point. And so, you know,
0: it People is. People are going to say what
1: they want to say, but the genuine article is the genuine article. That's you know when, when you actually make records and you tour with the band, the record you actually wrote. You're no longer a a, a side guy working the project on weekends. It's your band. You've dedicated your life to it. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Well, I, I'm. I go back. You know, as I told you to to mid seventies with music, and uh, I was thinking when I was getting ready to speak with you today, I was thinking about the latter and how much that blew my mind when it came out and homeworld and and uh and lightning strikes and just so much shit on that album that's slamming
1: yeah no i'm very proud of that record um and it represents a really interesting time in yes history with a very unique lineup because you know there were six of us yeah and i was playing guitar i mean you know when we, we when we're on tour right now and we play a track from that record called It'll be a Good day, which is feeling really good on stage. Um, but the last time I played that on stage, I was playing on guitar standing next to Chris. you know so now I'm playing his bass parts, which you know is a very strange sort of emotional experience nightly. It's just bizarre. but it really kind of warms my heart that we're able to do this because that work was so cool. You know to keep it going and keep it alive it's it just feels like the right thing to be doing you know
0: oh yeah uh look there there's something on every yes album that has that ghost that has that spirit that has that vibe yeah and 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 so I, that's why i wanted to talk to you about the new record and, and really ask like what's the process for a yes band now to put together an album's worth of material
1: Well, when I joined the band, when we lost Chris in 2015, but I joined as the bass player, you know, it was was way too soon to even be thinking of such a thing as making a record, because it it would have been totally disrespectful to Chris. You know, it just, it wasn't on anyone's radar to even think that way. So there was a, a lot of time that went by. And then, I don't know, somewhere as COVID was breaking, I suppose, we started feeling like, you know, A, we've been on the road a ton and we've, there's enough time now to sort of to make another statement as this version of yes that we are. And so we started passing material around basically. And I had some ideas and John had ideas and, you know, we were just throwing tapes back and forth to see what was going on. And Steve was sort of the referee you know taking on the role as producer to just kind of sift through our all of our stuff and figure out how to knit it all together to make it into a nice yes album which I think you did a good job with but we kind of all went to our separate corners because it was COVID and we couldn't get together in a room and jam like you would want to in a perfect world it just wasn't going to happen so I kind of would sit in my studio and my own personal process was always sort of like feeling like what would Chris and I want to be writing together? If he was sitting here, what would I present to him and go, I feel like this would work for something we're going to do. And, you know, one of those things was um, the Western edge on the quest. It just, to me, that slow bass and the grandiose feel—it just felt like I could picture Chris standing in the room <laughs> saying, "Make that note longer," you know, one of those. <laughs> yeah. So I could, I could feel his spirit there, kind of over my shoulder, going, "I think you're onto something." You know what I'm saying? That. So there's the spirit for me. That's what I'm looking to feel, and I, I'm really hard with myself, and I know when I'm not onto that feeling. I just take that file that might be cool for something, but it's not right for this thing and put it in a folder called ideas for later or something. But so I luckily stumbled upon a couple of things that turned into songs, um, uh, the Western edge and the other one about um, AI, which to be deadly honest, now the title's escaping me. Uh, uh, John, John wrote all the lyrics uh, on, on both of those and the melodies and stuff. But so that that's kind of was the process on that one. And, and really the, the new record is kind of the, the mirror stuff kind of took the same pattern because we were still in a sort of post COVID mindset and we weren't really traveling around a lot. And we actually had a lot of ideas left over from when we were working on the quest stuff that just was like, we had too much, too many ideas. You know what I mean? So we sifted through those things and, and, and looked at them. I, a couple of things I, I wrote just sort of sitting in my studio noodling on a bass line. I was actually working on another session for someone. And oftentimes, as is the case with this, was my bass sound is up and running. I'm about to record. I'm just checking levels to make sure something's cool and I'll go to the end of the sequence where there's no data and just I'll start listening to the bass. And if I fall into something that I'm enjoying playing, like a little riff or something, I'll document that idea. And one of those sessions was the baseline for cut from the stars, (laughs) the the, the thing. And when I started working on that, I kind of immediately thought this is going to be good for the yes vibe because Chris loved to go from that low E all the way up to the high, you know what I'm saying? And (laughs) that baseline kind of contains all that (laughs) in it and it grooves and it's got that silent wing sort of envelope filter. What about
0: Billy? I got to ask you one of my all time favorite Chris, moments in that vein is when you get to the final retard and the big explosion in gates of delirium and we're going to the big synth solo he starts right. high i know right and uh, the right, course yeah. of that sequence to get to the turn he ends up low on the yeah. repeat
1: yeah I know. it's, it's just great. who would come up with that great moment for sure great moment there's so many moments like that that Chris gave us all. And thank goodness for that. Um, but, you know,
0: he influences the way we think of bass parts. And I know bassists like oh, Jimmy Johnson talk about him. And I've been influenced by the way I write bass parts for my music just from listening to the the strategies he had.
1: Used to drive the guys in Logic, which was my first band, nuts, because, you know, they would go, it's it's G," And I go, well, yeah, I know that but it could be other things too here. Check it out. We can go like this, that and the other, and maybe we come back and say, it's a G, you know? So yeah, he completely pushed my thinking outside of a box. But fortunately for me, when I kind of converted from drums to bass, sort of seriously around 15, 14, I think I was something like that. Uh, the guitar player, Jimmy Hahn, who's a dear friend of mine in Logic and Arc of Life and Circa, all those kind of things, Jimmy said, "Man, just 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 practice CS yes records. It's gonna be the best thing for you in the world. I'll set you up with some stuff and some headphones." So he set me up, and I started, you know, messing around with these things, and then got better at it and better at it until I could play through Gates of Delirium. And you know, it's it changed the way I looked at the instrument by going through all those motions of figuring out what he did and how he composed the part, and that made me go into other bands I was working on, which were many, and take that thinking into those projects and that's why a lot of the bass things i play are pretty crazy and and you know maybe some might say busy but to me it's melodic and it's serving the song you know it's a it's a valued instrument in there
0: and we were taught it through pop music i mean this is the thing that blows my mind when i think about listening to gentle giant in middle school and what what it taught me about line against line and what it taught me about verticalities and and dissonance and all these things, yeah. yeah, without me being a music student yet,
1: yeah, I mean what's interesting for me about Gentle Giant versus Yes is, you know, Yes is an acquired taste, but it's easier, where Gentle Giant really like you you know you got to like get past it a little bit to understand that, You know, the first time Agreed. I heard Power first time I heard uh, So Sincere, my brother played it for me. He's like, you have to check this out, you know? I was like, this is insane. What is this? And then, of course it becomes my favorite thing to listen to, you know? So, um, and, and, but the thing I was going to say about that is that yes, somehow always found a way though through the lyrics and the melodies to bring that kind of chaotic approach to creating music like they can, but sort of simplifying it into something beautiful and, and memorable and, and sort of melodic in ways that we all, we remember did it did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it you know, there's just things about the music where the vocals really land you, you know, home so to
0: speak. 100%. 100%. I, yeah. You know, we'd have to admit that there's a, a percentage of dissonance in Giants music that does not exist in Yes music.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were pushing some serious envelopes, but I loved them for that. I saw their last show. Literally in LA at the Roxy.
0: I and saw I, the last New York show that year.
1: I was 15 and I, and when the gig was over, I was so bummed because there was a huge fan. And I went back to the car, which is in the back parking lot there. And as I was getting into my car, I saw Derek Sheldon open up the dressing room window. Cause there's only like one window up there and he leans out. And I, I just yelled at him, don't stop this band. You know, <laughs> I had no idea of that little conversation would turn into this is crazy yeah that
0: was the last chance to yeah. see them and and it, i thought that that was a cool record i did a show with derek talking about civilian you know
1: yeah. yep i mean that's another you know all the bands i'm into i'm into the whole stock you know what i'm saying I, because I find it fascinating to, you know, but I'm also the guy who doesn't mind Jar Jar Binks. You know, a lot of my friends are like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I'll take all the Star Wars episodes. I think they're cool. I just kind of like to include everything about something when I'm absorbed in it to understand the evolution of it and why it's over there now or started this way. I mean, look at Genesis, you know, and how things have evolved. I just saw Gabriel at the O2. It was amazing. But how that is, how these things evolve, and that's that's an important part of evolving music. And you know, it breaks my heart when I see people battling over it and saying this band should stop and that bend should stop. No, it should continue because because so that's like akin to book burning. You know what I mean? We, we we want to increase the ability to hear great things, not decrease it. <laughs>
0: come on, it's right? Hard. It's can- canceling and uh and you know there's just so much judging but really what what's going on here is that if you follow an artist like Bjork if you follow an artist like Peter Gabriel if you follow certain artists you want to see where they're going to go next
1: yeah and you want to you you know you want to get into it i mean obviously we we're, we're all fans of music we listen to an album there might be a track you're not as keen on but I, don't, I just don't understand the logic of completely disavowing something that someone has created, especially when we're talking about the kind of music we're talking about. You know, it's not some guy in his garage. You know, this is the evolution of years and decades. And, you know, Pink Floyd is another great example. And, you know, yeah. there's so many, every rock and roll or progressive rock band has had evolution. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It's not a negative to me, you know? I mean, I was heartbroken when when we lost Jocko, you know, because he was one of my favorites. And then I saw the next lineup, which was with uh, uh, Omar on drums. And I forget the bass player now. Victor I'm Bailey. Drumming. Yeah. And, you know, Procession. It's like one of my fave Weather Report records. And I yep. put it in the same genre in my iPad right next to, you know, Mr. Gone. You know, I just so I don't know. That's just me. I I, I'm a, I listen to it all. Like it's that.
0: not. It's not just you, Billy. It's <laughs> me.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I'm, I I'm, think more of
1: us than we we care to know about. Actually. <laughs> well, you know, for instance,
0: <laughs> like you can you can love the Jan Hammer group, and then people get uh, you know all kinds of feelings about the Melodies album. But I right. love the Melodies album, and, and you I look
1: love- weird to me. It's like sorry to interrupt, but on you just reminded me of something. My favorite Tall record is the general fan base's least. And that okay. a. that's A with Eddie Jobson and Mark Craney.
0: Good choice.
1: I, as for me, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, because I'm also a huge UK fan. And
0: that's you know, the year was, before.
1: Yeah. I saw that tour when they were together.
0: Yeah. So did I.
1: And so when I heard that record, the way it's, I still listen to it, man. We were just listening to Protect and Survive the other day on our way to a gig. Jay and I, because Jay's a fan as well, the drummer, and yes, yeah. Stormwatch is no joke either. Oh, I love Stormwatch. I mean, I, I dig it all. Again, you know, it's not like I'm trying to say one's better than the other, but as my personal fave out of a catalog, you know, not to dispute any of the other stuff, A has always been like, wow, that's my go-to. It's just Cranny's... so much sound. Cranny's off the chain. It's Cranny absolutely phenomenal there's
0: so few great you know craney recordings because it's it's a short window but and a
1: dave, Pegg, dave Pegg's bass playing and sound on that record is really unique you know what i mean so the first time i heard it i was like wow this is fantastic you know and then i started talking to other tall friends of mine they're like what are you talking about i was like what what you don't hear this <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know what can i say
0: yeah, it's like arguing about the, the first UK album and Danger Money. You know, do you have a problem with Danger Money?
1: No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, my dad and my mother were musicians. My parents were musicians. And my dad was mm. quite good on every instrument. He was a multi-instrumentalist guy. And you know, when I was very, very young, I remember him coming into the room because my brothers were older and you know he he's got his record collection. I didn't. But I was sitting in the room and there's a record player, and dad comes in and he sifts through the records grabs one and says billy i want you to listen to this it, it, it's not going to probably mean anything to you now but believe me later in life it will and he puts on uh antonio carlos jobim record and plays me wave girl from ipanema you know all these classics and i just remember sitting there going this is this is different because you know so i'm not listening to this i'm listening to like earth wind and fire at this point and stuff but this is amazing. There's something to this. And then I forget about Joe beam for years until I'm sort of probably about 25, 26, whatever. And I remember it comes into my head. Oh, Joe beam. I should listen to some Joe beam. And I put the record on, sounded amazing. And I just got fully from there into it and just fell deep into the hole. And, but, it's that's i think the beauty of music is if it's if it's shared whether someone loves it or not i mean you know everyone has their opinion and tastes but at least be open to hearing things you know i mean i was open to hearing close to the edge when my brother played it for me and the first time i heard it i looked at him i said what are you guys on because this is horrible i i don't the intro with the guitars and everything sure sure i did not get it and then about two weeks later, I'm walking down the hall and they're playing it again, Jimmy Hahn and Mike, my brother, they were very close friends at a young age. And uh, they're playing close to the edge. And as I walk by, I'm like, wait, there's something about this. Hang on a minute. I open the door. I'm like, Can I hear this again? They put it on. And then from that moment on, done. I was met Yes was my favorite band from that point forward. So point being, sometimes you hear things that are a little strange on impact, but give it a hot minute. You know what I mean? And the. And the little, Less of the judgmental stuff and more of an open mind and your world just opens up i think you know
0: well and your career has demonstrated this um i wanted to to tell you that you know the amount of repertoire that you've dealt with if you know in terms of jeff beck which is something that i'm also dealing with with the ma vishnu project we're playing jeff beck uh tribute stuff now and uh and just the idea that all of this music is part of a piece. You and I are around the same age, a couple of years apart. So, so you 36,
1: 36, right?
0: Exactly. So coming up at the time <laughs> that we did, we were spoiled. I know. We were so spoiled.
1: I know. Every Everybody played their instrument. It wasn't coming out of a Mac sample. It was like, actually you had to be done by hand. Or how and about I, just the reach? The, the, oh, I,
0: the experimentation, the spirit yeah. of that.
1: I know. And those times are gone, but by the same token, it's still out there in a different way, bubbling under, because now young musicians who get together and just want to go for it. They have a a vehicle to get their music out through YouTubes. And so they could actually promote their trip. And if it catches on, you know what I mean? It, It starts lighting a fire for them. But, but yeah, it's, it's different now, but yeah, we were lucky. We, we had, I mean, you know, the, the pool of wealth of music that was created during those periods. And those are the ones that we still hear and that we go back to, you know, for a reason, obviously.
0: I mean, you work with Paul Rogers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the Money Water Blues record was a real important record for me. It was the first record that I produced and uh, was Grammy nominated and, changed my life in ways that I didn't imagine in terms of going into production on a level I I I knew I wanted to pursue it but this kind of kicked open a door for me that it was I was certainly grateful for you know and I owe it to Paul because when we were finishing the record I was hired as a ghost producer on that one because I didn't really I just finished the sort of yes stuff you know that I worked with on the union record and the box sets and whatnot and I was working on a few things and then I got a call uh you know we want to hire you to to ghost produce this record i mean you know how to make a record but paul's going to be the producer you know on paper i said that's fine i'm cool with that you know what's it pay so the gig the gig was good i took it and when it was finally finished we were heading to the last days of the mix and paul was at the studio and I said to him, so Paul, we got to get the credits together because there's a lot of guest artists and engineers. And so I'm, I've pulled it together for you to make it easy. Just proofread these, you know, as the producer. give me the all clear and I'll send it off to the label. So he goes into the back while I'm working on something in the studio and he comes back in and he's got this look on his face and he's looking at me. You know, I had a great relationship with Paul through the whole record. And he's, he's kind of known for having a temper a bit, right? But i would never seen that side because he was always very kind to me. So Hmm. he comes into the room. He goes, man, what did you do here? And he's kind of throwing shade, right? (laughs) I said, what are you talking about? He says, the credit, it's it's all wrong. And I said, which part? And he goes, well, the part where it says here, produced by Paul Rogers. And I said, well, what's wrong with that? That's what it is, right? That's what we're doing. He goes, no, 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 no. It's produced by Paul Rogers and Billy Sherwood. And I said, no, 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 it's not. It's produced by Paul Rogers. I was hired as a ghost and I'm totally cool with it. Believe me, I'm a happy camper. You know what I mean? And he says, nope, I want you to change it. And we had a little funny banter back and forth. And after the fourth time that I told him we don't have to change it. And he said, nope, change it. I just thought, I'm not going to mention this again. This is fine. (laughs) So I went back in and changed it. Brought him the paper again. It says produced by Paul Rogers and Billy Sherwood. Goes out to check it. Comes back in again. And he gives me an attitude again. He's like, you still got this wrong, man. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, my name's still on here. And I said, what? We're doing this together. I mean, I wasn't supposed to be doing it in the first place. He goes, you did this record. You've done all the work. Take the credit, I'm the singer, you're the producer. And I said, no, and we go back and forth. And again, until like the third or fourth time where I say no, and he goes, take it. I said, okay, I'll take it. (laughs) And that, changed my world and paul sort of made me a producer right there in terms of like in la needing a reputation you know of an album that was substantial to do something with to do future gigs that was a turnkey moment for me and i really do owe it all to paul i'll never forget that for that you know
0: yeah for sure good guy the greats you know those are the greats
1: yeah and saying saying such amazing stuff on that record is crazy crazy good.
0: So tell tell me about uh, the current show and and, and Mr. Steve Howe.
1: Uh, we're just out here doing a combination of material from some things from Going for the Wand, um, some things from Tormato, and we're playing also a track from the new record cut from The Stars. Uh, and we've actually been rehearsing the song All Connected a bit in soundchecks to get that into the show as well. And then we do this sort of tales medley if you will edited kind of version i mean tales is four songs and these songs 20 minutes long right so there's no way we could do that and and go out so because it's the 50th anniversary of the record you know steve came up with this concept of putting this together in this particular arrangement and we all learned it went to our corners and got our worlds together came together and started rehearsing and it's working out quite well it's it's a very interesting thing to play, especially for me, because Tales is my favorite of all the Yes records. And, you know, I know it like the back of my hand. So <laughs> when these corners happen that are sort of edited, you know, we made we made them work. And musically, they they work almost to the point where that would have worked as a piece originally. But we all know that, you know, it's edited. So it's, it's, a, it, it's kind of a bit like watching Star Wars and right when, you know, Vader says, Luke, I am your, you know, you cut to the Ewok village. It's just a completely different left turn, so it took a minute to get used to that to be able to perform it. But now we have, and it's just feeling really seamless and like a really cool piece of yes music in a new, new sort of way. So it's uh, interesting.
0: But... Tales. I mean, you got you got me going. If you're going to talk about tales, I just I came up with it. I I worshipped it. I spaced out to it. I yeah. you know studied it, and it and it is a major part of of prog rock history. Um um as ambitious as it was and as as maligned as it was it it's it stands the test of time for me yeah and, i know
1: she's not funny it's like there's another example of what we were talking about maligned uh, and it's for me it's like one of the coolest pieces of art in Prague rock in music you know it's a, it's tantamount to the artwork that roger dean does it's just it reaches musical art. it's musical art and you know even the guys in the band had issues with it. You know, I used to talk to Chris about it and he was like, ah, it was tails. You know what I mean? He'd but kind did of Chris care on. about
0: some, because there's such great Chris moments on these first two movements in particular.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, I think I, I know that, you know, Chris had passion for it, but it, the, each album I've come to know this as a member of the band, each album that's made, there's a creative process that creates little moments as you're trying to get to the end game. That leave these memories in your mind and it has nothing to do with the music. It's just band and band politics. And so you view that bit differently than that bit. Oh, and, that's so that's,
0: interesting.
1: I, I mean, I've experienced that in every band. Yes, it's that. Sure, not good, sure. But yes, it's just really good at it. <laughs> you wanna know <what> say <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's so own, true, man. I have
1: my own memories of that <laughs> kind of thing now. I could I could say safely. Um, so you know, but the record. It stands the test of time. I mean, you know, it's you still put it on today and there's nothing like it. It's totally unique. Love it.
0: It is. It's and I I have to tell you, uh when I got a chance to talk to John Anderson during the Anderson Ponty tour, hmm. I I said to him, uh, you know, John, it it didn't I didn't miss uh this. I noticed that in nineteen seventy-three you went out and you played all of Close to the Edge, took an intermission, came back, played four movements of topographic oceans, left the stage, came back for roundabout good night. And he and we're laughing. And he says, Well, nobody told us we couldn't do it.
1: I know. I love that. I mean, I love that sort of it again, it's just art coming at you in in a way that is really bold and takes some conviction. And but on top of that whole thing is these guys who play music really, really well and created some parts that are really unique. I mean, some of Chris's coolest basslines are on tails, you know, I mean, yeah, there's just yeah. so much to it. And, it and fretless. Just, it's fretless fretless on there. Yeah, for sure. There's all, all kinds of textures going on there and, you know, it, it was definitely an important record for me uh, to get immersed into it
0: just it's the explosion of their vocal arranging skills. they have they take everything they've done before they explode it into this whole new level yeah. which is, it's then going to get moved into another area, area in on relayer
1: yeah but yeah. but yeah. you know and the, the relayer is to me sort of where they almost were going into a fusion lane and which I dug a lot
0: yeah um
1: because at the time you had like return to forever and Mahavishnu and you know these other fusion bands out there Mm -hmm. and uh it just kind of leaned that way for a while uh, which I I dig about it it was really really quite cool I mean you know I love that record too
0: yeah I'm playing with Rachel Flowers next this week on Friday at Prague Stock and uh, Patrick Moraz is going to be there so it'll be interesting to to see him send him my regards I sure will
1: both of them yeah
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're doing um, Mahavishnu stuff with Rachel, and then we're going to do some Jeff Beck stuff with her. And then we're finishing out with uh, Carnival 9 with Michael Sadler coming out to sing. Oh, cool. So, you know, again, that just that idea of like, play this music, yeah. play this music for people now.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, the fact that people want to play it is is great and it just keeps it alive. You know what I mean?
0: It is. It's it, and it's great live. It's better live. Yeah, you hear is, yes notes hitting you live
1: exactly. off the stage. But, well, there's an energy that comes off that stage that is unique and and just permeates the building. I mean, I see it every night, and it's interesting. You know, for example, last night, you know, everyone's seated in their seats and digging it, and then when when we get to that sort of last song uh, 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 encore bit people kind of come up to the front of the stage and in front of me is very young people. And, you know, I can say that now as an old guy, which is kind of scary for me to admit, but it's true. And I look down, I'm like, this guy can't be older than 19 or 20 years old. He brought his buddy, they were digging it. And there's this person and that person. And it just inspires me because it's like, there you go. This is what I'm talking about. This is the next gen of carrying on this tradition because, you know, It's all well and good to have a band, but if the fans are not helping bring that legacy and carry it on, and it's, you know, I think, yes, unlike a normal pop band, per se, has the ability to keep regenerating itself in new fans because the music's there to just dive so deeply into. But if you're into music, someone turns you on to fragile, it's going to change your world. You know what I mean? Especially if you're a muso kind of fan of stuff. So it's very inspiring to see and it, it makes me just want to do it more and more and more and just keep it going.
0: You think you guys will do another uh, studio album?
1: I do. It's just a matter of timing and, and where that's going to fall in our calendar because we're, you know, COVID had us off the road and we were in a very intense sort of cycle of, of touring. Um, and that's looking like it's coming back into gear. So it's just a matter of plotting in the times and figuring out how to do it. But I, I'd imagine there would be, because we had, you know, we had too much fun making these two records and it was in yes, history pretty quick. If you consider yeah. from a record to another record. I mean, I don't think that's happened since open your eyes into the latter in terms of a sequence of events. So there's momentum to do such. So I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if you do.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, well, Billy, I appreciate you taking the time before I let you go, though. I got to ask you, tell me about Shatner. <laughs>
1: He's the best. What can I tell you? I, I can't believe he's my buddy. You know what I mean? I would never say this in front of him because the last thing I want to do is ever mention Star Trek, but he's Captain Kirk, man. He's, you know what I mean? He's cool.
0: He's very cool.
1: We had so many funny moments. He's such a nice, warm, loving guy. You know, he had these Monday night football gatherings in his man cave, you know. And he's got this TV that's just, it's not a TV. It's just an entire wall of the, mm-hmm. this building. So the players are massive. And he throws these parties and I would go, he'd invite me. I went to a lot of them and I'd just be standing there minding my own business, you know, with this Dwight Yoakam standing over there and Henry Rollins is there. And it's, you know, this guy and that guy is just a who's who. I'd just be tripping. <laughs> How did I get here? One thing to like get in the yes loop, you know, I've, I've kind of accepted my fate in that domain but this was just like, how did this happen? I'm hanging in Shatner's man cave, you know. But he's such a funny guy. And he's such a nice guy. We got close through those Monday night footballs. Now, I know nothing about football, okay? Uh, not a clue. So when he invites me to the first one, I say to him, I, you know, I know nothing about football. He goes, hey, I'll just come up for the hang, man. Trust me, I'll, I'll tighten you up on it. and I'll show you what's going on. So I get there, and he literally sits me down on the couch. Just people roaming all over the place. It's Just me and him on the couch. And we're watching the game and he's explaining this is the line of scrimmage, this is that, and the other. He's teaching me football, and it's lovely, and it was a blast, but I'm just tripping because it's like Captain Kirk is teaching me football, man. Uh. <laughs> it doesn't get any cooler.
0: Now, is it true?
1: But, is but it check true? this out though, check this out. So so yeah. that is like the context, right? Fast forward to many years later, and I'm on the road with yes, I forget where we were, but this the 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 second star trek was coming out right new next gen no the the new one with but it was the second movie they made the next gen uh, yeah, the, mo- with,
0: uh the con Cumber,
1: cumberbatch con yeah yeah so i'm dying to see it i got a night off and by myself i go to a movie theater get my popcorn got my all my stuff and i'm sitting down the movie the previews roll and i'm about to shut my phone because you're supposed to you know kind of keep it quiet in the theater and just as the Paramount logo for the Star Trek film is starting and you know how the stars come in and they fly around the yeah, So it's flying around the thing. And just as that happens, my phone rings and I'm thinking, oh no, you know these people are behind me you're going to be pissed. And I fumbled to, to turn it off and you know how you can see who's calling you, right? So I've got him in my phone, not a Shatner, it's just Captain Kirk. I would never tell him that, but it's just Captain Kirk when he calls. <laughs> so I'm saying that this, this film's about to start and he's calling me in the theater. I pick up the phone. He goes, "What are you up to?" I said, "This is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced." He says, "What's that?" I said, "I explained. It. I'm about to watch the film." He goes, "Oh my god!" But well, you know, I hope you enjoy it. Call me later. So I call him later, and I said, "What's up? What did you want to talk about?" He goes, "Well, it, he needed to talk to me about something. We were doing, I think, something with the Ponder the Mystery record." Oh, we're going to talk to you about this on the other, but you know, I just want to tell you that we're all here, you know, and we're missing you. You know, everybody's here and they want to send, send their love to you. And I, I was thinking I was in Glasgow or something, wherever we were. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks, man. I, well, yeah. And you know, everybody says hello. And I said, cool. So send my love to everybody and tell them I would love to be there and be watching the game with you guys. And he goes, Billy, didn't I teach you anything? And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, it's baseball season. <laughs> He was pranking me.
0: <laughs> now, I, but, I know he's a musical cat. We all yeah. know that you've been paying attention since the 60s. But I yeah. want to know, like, to what degree is he a progger?
1: Well, you know, he digs it. And when we worked together, I took him deeper into the rabbit hole. You know what I mean? And because we were working with some you know, Wakeman was on his record and yeah. all these guys. And
0: Isn't so Horn to... Rolo on that record? What's that? Isn't Zudhorn Rolo on that record?
1: I think he is, yeah. Yeah, I, so. I did a
0: record with him, yeah.
1: Um, and so I was trying, you know, every guy I would suggest I would go, this is some of that stuff and he would go, whoa, that's super interesting, I'm digging that. You know, I mean, he was, been to he's into music, he loves, loves music. Yeah. And, you know, admittedly in his own way, you know, he'll tell you, "I I can't sing and you know, obviously he speaks, so when we spoke about how to make the record, I thought you do the speaking part like a Roger Waters in the verse and I'll be the Gilmore to your waters and I'll sing the choruses. And we'll we'll bounce back and forth. And so that's where we started the whole thing. And that's how we we took it further. But, um, you a know, when we, we were rehearsing because we did some shows with my band Circa with TK, Tony K and you know, the other guys. Circa was the band to prepare perform that record with Shatner I think we did five shows or something in LA It's total mm-hmm. blast when you're on stage looking over and your lead singer is Captain Kirk you know what I mean that's that's unique <laughs> I was just tripping but when in the rehearsals I told him you know you could play some harmonica in certain places because you know if you're in the key of C and I buy you a harmonica you can't lose just, just breathe in and breathe out and make some noises you know what I mean so he gets into it and I, he came back with a bag of harmonicas and we got it sorted. And I'll never forget this one day we were rehearsing and the end of the song comes and I say to him, you know, when you get to this very end, go to the highest part of that harmonica and play the high C at the very, very top. That'd be really cool. But when, when the drummer at the time, Scott, Walt, when Connor, when Connor cues you stop, and that's the end of the song, you know? So we do it. And we get to the end of the song and he's got the note and he's blowing it. He's looking at me like, I'm doing this, right? He's like, got it. We all stop. And there's this lone harmonica that keeps going. And I look at him like, you should have stopped. And then I realize he's just so happy he's got this note right. He's not letting go. And he just sat there and looked at me. this note flying across the studio. And just an incredibly fun time with him. And I miss the hang. We were, you know, we were hanging a lot, but I don't, I don't live in LA anymore. So yeah, that's as much as I'd like, but a lovely guy, yeah. lovely guy.
0: That's fantastic. Well, I hope you'll get to do more with him. Me too. You know, so much to talk about, but thanks for taking the time. It's, it's really been a pleasure.
1: Right on, man. Well, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. I hope you had fun. It was fun to do.
0: Yeah. Where can people find your, your website?
1: Well, I mean, I'm on Facebook as Billy Sherwood, and you know you'll see an icon of me playing bass with Chris behind me. I kind of leave that up in honor of Chris. Can't miss it. So I'm on there. That's that's kind of the main. I don't really do Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. I just kind of resign myself to Facebook, and that's kind of that. But you can find me through there or YesWorld.com. Of course, you go there. They they have more data on where I am than I even know where I am. So if you go onto my page, there's just tons of stuff to click on.
0: Well, everybody, thanks so much to to Billy Sherwood for talking. Billy, what a pleasure. Um,
1: yeah. And, you know, big shout out to Andre, who's connected the dots here.
0: Andre Chomley, who's out teching for Pat Matheny right now. Yeah, Andre's been the man. He was Steve's tech before. So, well, yes. Matheny's
1: like Matheny's one of my faves too, and I've been telling Andre, it's like, man, what? Where are you, and where can I see this? Because I want to see that. Matheny's one of my favorites.
0: It's cool. It's solo Matheny show right now. Yeah,
1: I'd love to see that. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, hey, yeah. everyone.
0: As usual, you can find me at bendyandmusic.com if you want to drop me a a comment. We get a lot of nice warm messages and good feelings from you people for supporting what we do. We really get, get into it here at the broadcast, hit us on Patreon, subscribe, and we've got a lot more coming this year. So a hundredth episodes coming up very soon. Thanks everybody. Thank you, Billy Sherwood. Good night, everybody.
1: Thank you. Cheers.